Section 44 of Journal of the Reverend Francis Asbury, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Brian Keenan. Journal of the Reverend Francis Asbury, Volume 1, Section 44. Friday 31. I received a packet of letters from the peninsula, by which I learn that the work of God still prospers there, that persecution, as a necessary consequence, rages with great violence, and that two or three of the preachers are unable to preach through weakness of body. Monday, September 3. I visited the Bush Chapel. The people here once left us to follow another. Time was when the labors of their leader were made a blessing to them. But pride is a busy sin. He is now no more. Upon the whole, I am inclined to think the Lord took him away in judgment, because he was in a way to do hurt to his cause, and that he saved him in mercy, because from his deathbed conversation he appears to have had hope in his end. Wednesday 5. I preached to about three hundred people at Deer Creek with a good degree of freedom, and rejoiced to find that my old friends continued faithful. Sunday 9. After riding twenty miles, I preached at Jones's on the Manor, to about six hundred people, with great liberty. The audience were still and attentive. Mr. Goff spoke after me. Monday 10. I learned that the Lord is reviving his work on the eastern shore, more or less, in every circuit. The wicked persecute, and Satan rages in Dorset. But God will carry on his own work, and maintain his own cause. Tuesday, 11. My soul enjoys great nearness to God, in private, and more fervor of spirit than I have known for some years. I also feel a greater care for the circuit preachers, and for the work of God in general. I spent part of my time in marking Baxter's cure for church divisions through. I have little leisure for anything but prayer, seldom more than two hours in the day, and that space I wish to spend in retired meditation and prayer. Riding, preaching, class meeting, leaves but little for reading or writing, and not always enough for prayer. Something might be gained could I pore over a book on horseback, as Mr. Wesley does in England, but this our roads forbid. Saturday, 22. Spoke in a barn, a cold place, and cold people. Here I met with T. Stevens, who heard me, and Mr. M. of Stroud in England. His wife was then a member with us. He has rambled until the Lord has also found him out. Pennsylvania, Tuesday 25. Road to York. I was met by Mr. Rankel, who was once a Methodist, but now a German Presbyterian minister. Mr. R. and Mr. Wagner appear as if they wished to be friendly, but they fear us, lest we should get the good will of the people, and we should join them to our societies. Sunday 30, under great weakness of body. Wednesday, October 3. I began to amend. I am kindly and comfortably entertained by Mrs. Grace, an old disciple, first awakened by Mr. Whitefield, afterward convinced by reading Mr. Wesley's sermon on falling from grace, and now a fast friend and member of our society. Sunday 7 preached at the Valley Preaching House on The Great Salvation, 
to an attentive people with some animation. From thence we rode to Benson's preaching-house, where there was a great gathering of people, like a quarterly meeting. It is with difficulty I observe my morning and evening hour of retirement. I am, however, kept in constant peace. Tuesday night. I preached at E. Jones's to about a hundred people. Here I met with J. R. S., mischievous and disappointed. Having separated himself, he charges us with casting him off, and spares not his secret abuse on conference and preachers. Fallen, deceitful, self-deceiving man, I leave thee to God and thy own conscience. Friday 12. Came to Philadelphia, found the people serious, loving, and lively. The society here appears to be in a better state than they have been in since the British army was here. Sunday 14. I had some comfortable sensations in speaking on John 3.14. Our congregations are large, and I hope for a revival of the work amongst us. I heard two good sermons at St. George's. I gave them a plain discourse at night at St. George's on 1 John 1, 8, 9. Tuesday 16. I enjoy peace, but I soon grow tired of the city. There is a deepening of the work in some souls, but I fear the religion of others evaporates in talk. Thursday 18. I left the city of Philadelphia. In the evening I visited a German woman in distress for her soul. We spent an hour in prayer, and God set her at liberty. Next day I returned to the city, and on Sabbath day, the 21st, we had a love feast. I attended the Episcopal Church twice. Our own house was crowded. The work of God appears still to revive amongst us, and I trust the society increases in grace as well as in numbers. Among too many of the citizens, the spirit of politics has, in whole or in part, eaten out the spirit of religion. We have come to a conclusion to print the four volumes of Mr. Wesley's sermons. Thursday, 25. Attended the quarterly meeting at Cloud's Chapel. I found myself sweetly united to preachers and people. James Barton, a public speaker among friends, bore his testimony that God was amongst us. Saturday, 27. My intervals of time are employed in marking Baxter's Cure for Church Divisions, for abridgment, which may some day see the light. My soul is drawn out to God to know whether I ought to go to Virginia this winter, in order, if possible, to prevent the spreading of the fire of division. I do not look for impulses or revelations. The voice of my brethren and concurrent circumstances will determine me in this matter. Harry seems to be unwilling to go with me. I fear his speaking so much to white people in the city has been, or will be, injurious. He has been flattered, and may be ruined. Delaware, Wilmington, Sunday 28. I made an application to a discourse delivered by another. At Newcastle many attended the word, while I enlarged on Matthew 7, 7. Saturday, November 3. We had twelve preachers, and about 1,000 people at quarterly meeting. This evening our quarterly meeting conference began. We scrutinized and dealt with fidelity one with the other. Nothing would satisfy the preachers but my consenting to go to Virginia. 
there appear at times to be great movings among the people, but there seems to be a slackness of discipline among the preachers in them. This evil must be cured, or the work will be injured. Monday 12. For some days past I have been engaged in troublesome business. Saturday 17. I am agitated in my mind. I want to be gone, for I am persuaded my call for the present is to the south. I have often observed, as others doubtless have, who have been similarly circumstanced, that the peace of mind which the preparations for a journey necessarily disturb returns to the traveller on his way. Thursday, 22. I set out for Virginia. My horse gave me the slip, so that I got no farther than Dover by Sunday. Saturday, December 1. I have attended my appointments on the way, and am now as far as my old friend Mr. Robert Thompson's in Bohemia. My mind has been kept in peace ever since I left Brother White's. I felt the pain of parting with him at Dover. He has the most real affection for me of any man I ever met with. The Lord show kindness to him and his, for all their kindness shown to me. Maryland, Sunday 2 I preached at R. Thompson's, and in the evening visited his brother E. Thompson, who was very sick. Monday 3 Crossed the Susquehanna and came to I.D.'s. Thursday 6 Came to Baltimore. Here I received letters from Virginia, by which I learned that affairs are not so bad in Virginia as I feared. A few of the local preachers have made some stir, and the traveling preachers have withdrawn from them and their adherents. I have spent some time in Baltimore with satisfaction, and could freely stay longer. But there may be danger in these trading towns, and my way south seems to be open. Monday 17. Set out for Virginia. Virginia. Wednesday 19. Preached in Leesburg. From thence I traveled and preached through Hanover and Gloucester circuits. I find the spirit of party among some of the people. The local preachers tell them of the ordinances, and they catch at them like fish at a bait. But when they are informed that they will have to give up the traveling preachers, I apprehend they will not be so fond of their new plan. And if I judge right, the last struggle of a yielding party will be made at the approaching conference to be held at the Mannequin Town. Saturday, 29. Rode to Stettham's in Gloucester Circuit. This man was once famous for racing. He is now a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. The old man wept when I described the tenderness of a soul when first united to Christ. He was awakened by the instrumentality of Mr. Jarrett, and I am persuaded there have been more souls convinced by his ministry than by that of any other man in Virginia. Tuesday, January 1, 1782 Having preached several times in the neighborhood of the old church, to very unfeeling congregations, I rode to Dudley's Ferry in order to cross York River, but was disappointed, the boat being on the opposite side. We returned to the Widow Seas, being unwilling to stay at the tavern, and had a congregation of sixty or seventy people. We then rode about five miles to a ferry, and passed over immediately. Arrived at the other side, we found the smallpox and camp fever raging, and heard of several poor creatures, white and black, that had died on the road. Ah, we little know what belongs to war, 
with all its train of evils. Churches converted into hospitals and barracks. Houses pillaged or burnt. Which last has been the sad fate of the palace at Williamsburg. I met with five or six faithful souls on our fast day, and the Lord was present with us. There is considerable distress amongst our societies, caused by some of the local preachers, who are not satisfied unless they administer the ordinances without order or ordination, and the whole circuit appears to be more or less tinctured with their spirit. Tuesday 8. I wrote to Mr. Jarrett's and found him, as usual, quite friendly. Wednesday 9. I rested with Mr. Jarrett. Thursday 10. Brothers M. and F. met me at White Oak Chapel, where A. C., one of our young preachers, was baptized by Mr. Jarrett. We spent the evening comfortably. I find the party men among our societies grow weak, and I am persuaded this division will cause the sincere, among preachers and people, to cleave closer to doctrine and discipline, and may be the means of purging our societies of those who are corrupt in their principles. Saturday 12. I preached at Captain Smith's. The matter was good, but I had not much liberty in speaking. I feel that talking about anything but the things of God is improper for me, and out of my line. I am not so full and flaming with the love of God as I was some time ago. I feel resolved, through grace, to keep near to God at all times. Oh, how many things are lawful in themselves that yet are not expedient! and damp the pure life of God in the soul. I have these words often in my mind. The children which thou shalt have after thou hast lost the other shall say again in thine ears, The place is too straight for me. Give place to me that I may dwell. Tuesday 15 Preached at Ellis's Chapel to a simple loving people. Wednesday 16 I preached at the Widow King's. About eighteen months ago I preached in this neighborhood, and then thought the people dead with a witness, all except one poor old Englishman. Now there are a few faithful souls. Sunday 20 I preached at the great preaching house in Nansemund with uncommon openings in my mind. About twenty months past I preached here, and was then in hopes of a revival. But evil speaking and other things have prevented how do unskillful surgeons often put their patients to pain without profit? Tuesday 22 I preached at Brother Moss's, a place the circuit preachers had quitted, because there were no hearers. This good purpose my traveling answers, to get a few to hear me who will not come to hear others. Wednesday 23 At Lane's Chapel I enlarged on 2 Corinthians 7, 1 and found it was what the brethren wanted. They are a loving people, and may rank with any of our North Country Methodists. My soul is refreshed, and I bless the Lord for what he has done for this society. My friend W., who was fond of our preaching, and rode thirty miles with me in my last visit here, is gone into quietism, and would not come to hear. How changeable a creature is man! This was a day of fasting and humiliation with me. In describing the filthiness of the flesh, I treated on those sins that are in the flesh, and committed by the members of the body, the filthiness of the spirit, 
those sins to which devils are subject, such as pride, envy, self-will, bitterness, etc. To cleanse ourselves from these, every mean of self-denial and spiritual mortification is necessary. It must be sought by faith, and expected as a present salvation. Thursday 24. God is with me, and has all my heart. I am not sensible of anything contrary to humble, thankful, constant love to God, pitying love to poor sinners, and melting, sympathetic love for the dear ministers and people of God wherever I meet them. I found great fellowship with the pious family of Davis, especially with Henry Davis, who I trust is an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no guile. I had about fifty hearers at blank, among whom were some high Calvinists. Mr. M. took my text to preach from, The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. Friday, 25. I had a comfortable meeting with my old friends at R. Jones's, and trust the word was felt among the people. Saturday, 26. I had a large congregation at Richardson's, where the Lord has lately been at work. I met a class and found many earnest seekers of salvation. The poor mourners came again at night, to whom I applied Hezekiah's experience, at which all appeared deeply affected. They wept, talked together, and seemed loath to leave the place. Sunday 27. I had a large, solemn congregation at Maybury's Chapel. I trust the work revives in the souls of these people. I lodged with my old friend I. Mabry, who gave me the following account of the death of his daughter, F. Mabry, who for some years past appeared to live the life of faith. In August last she was taken ill, when at the point of death the Lord cut short his work in her soul, cleansing her heart. She testified what God had done for her with great power, her language surprising all who were present. She appeared to be kept alive one whole day, almost miraculously. Her father said he thought the power of God was so strongly upon her that she could not die. Tuesday, 29. I rode to Rose's Creek. This is the coldest day I have yet felt in Virginia. Mr. Blank, who had lately lost his wife, desired me to preach in his house, which I did to about fifty people. I spent the evening with F.G.N. and E.M.N. at T. Riffers's. Wednesday 30. I saw Brother E. Dromgoul. He is very weak in body, but steady to old Methodism. I feel a great desire that he may travel again. Thursday 31. I preached at Wolsey's barn on Where is the blessedness ye spake of? From thence rode to O. Myricks. North Carolina, Friday, February 1. Brother S. Yergin gave me an account of a light his former wife saw, whilst at prayer one day in a little thicket below the house. She said the light shone all around her, above the brightness of the sun. This remarkable circumstance she had resolved not to communicate, even to her husband. On more mature reflection, however, she thought it most proper to tell him. He observed to her, Perhaps you will die soon. Are you willing? Yes, was her reply but at the same time expressed her fears of a long illness, which, said she, will burden the family. Within two weeks from this she died. 
She was my kind nurse the last time I was in Virginia, and she is the third woman of my former kind friends that I have heard of who has died in the Lord during my absence. Blessed be the Lord for the great things he has done. After preaching to a few small congregations, on Thursday 7, I rode 16 miles and preached to a large assemblage of people at I.T.'s on The Great Salvation. Though I am often in haste and straitened for want of time, I have gone through Mr. Wesley's third volume once and am going through it again. I make it a rule to spend an hour, morning and evening, in meditation and in prayer for all the circuits, societies, and preachers. I expect to see the work of God revive in these parts, so soon as the spirit of disputation is cast out. Blessed be God, I enjoy good health of body and peace of mind. I find no preaching does good, but that which properly presses the use of the means and urges holiness of heart. These points I am determined to keep close to in all my sermons. Virginia, Saturday night. We rode twenty-five miles up Maharin, and missing our way, did not reach the place until three o'clock. The people, meantime, had waited for us, and I spoke to them on Luke nineteen ten. I trust not in vain. In this country I have to lodge half my nights in lofts, where light may be seen through a hundred places, and it may be the cold wind at the same time blowing through as many. But through mercy I am kept from murmuring, and bear it with thankfulness, expecting ere long to have better entertainment, a heavenly and eternal rest. Monday 11. I rode to J. Martin's Briary Creek, and preached to nearly one hundred people from Acts 26, 18. After preaching I had some conversation with Mr. M. Roberts, who was formerly a clergyman of the Episcopal Church, but he is now set out on an independent plan. Although he has his peculiarities, I admire his candor as a Christian. His plan may fail, and his zeal may cool, if indeed that is not already observable. Mr. M. charged Mr. Wesley with inconsistency in some things, and disapproved of his sending what preachers he thought fit to any place or people. I observed in reply that Mr. Wesley did nothing without consulting the preachers, that he was no spiritual tyrant. Mr. M. took care to let me know that he did not believe that anyone could finally fall from grace. I felt great love to the man, and was pained that we had to agree to disagree. Tuesday 12. We rode to solid Robert Martin's on Appomattox River. Brother Martin appears to be a man of piety, a professor of sanctification. He informed me of the remarkable conversion of Captain Wood, an officer of the Continental Line. He was taken at the capture of Charlestown by the British. Obtaining a parole, he returned home to Prince Edward. Here it was that he was convinced of sin. While laboring under deep distress of soul, he made frequent attempts to destroy himself, and would suffer no one to come near him but Brother M. At length the Lord set him at liberty, and he is now a serious man, and appears to be much devoted to God. Wednesday 13. I preached at S. Jones's and was much led out on Romans 13.11. I enjoy peace from morning to night. Was it only for what I feel that I traveled and preached, my labors to myself would not be lost, but I shall do good. God will not suffer the word he gives me to fall to the ground. 
It will be blessed to preachers and people. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me for ever and ever. Saturday and Sunday, 1617. Preached at Colonel Bedford's in Charlotte County. Many appeared to be quickened and restored to the grace of God. Monday, 18. Preached with pleasure and delight at Mr. Almond's on the Almost Christian. While Brother Ellis was exhorting, the congregation was alarmed with the cry of fire, which had kindled in a house adjoining. Willing hearts and ready hands sufficed to save the furniture, and almost every article of value, from the destructive flames. But the house that first took fire, and the dwelling house, with a connecting piazza, were consumed. We left this scene of awful solemnity and alarm, and rode to Brother Crowder's for our dinners, which we needed, having ridden twenty-five miles since we took any refreshment. Tuesday, 19. I preached to a mixed multitude, with great comfort, on Colossians 1, 27-28, and hope the people will remember it. I praise the Lord for uninterrupted communion with Him. End of section 44. Recording by Brian Keenan.